All right, Zig coming in on the top. Today on the show, we have a legendary guest, Stephen Hodges. Stephen is an American drummer, composer, and percussionist who's toured, worked, and recorded with some of the most influential artists during those artists' most self-defining time. Artists like Tom Waits, Mavis Staples, and Mike Watt, just name a few. Stephen is currently um, working with Mike Watt in a project called MSSV. They just put out a new album called Human Reaction. If you listened last week, we talked to Mike Baguetta, and this is going to be a continuation of that conversation and of that album. We're going to listen to a track, but before we do that, um, if you're in the Ohio area, MSSV is playing at the Beachland Tavern October 7th. And uh, my band, C-Level, letter C-Level, we are a high-energy funk-punk reggae rock group that takes 12-string acoustic guitars and runs them through martial amps. We are opening for MSSV, and we are incredibly stoked and honored to be able to share the stage with some of our heroes. Ever since Coda, the bass player for my band, and I saw Mike Watt in 2011 on his uh, third uh, rock opera tour, we, we had the goal we wanted to open for Watt. So every year, and now it's finally happening. So this is a huge deal for us. Um, now that that's out of the way, we're going to listen to a track. This is Say What You Gotta Say off Human Reaction MSSV.
tell you what to do I think maybe I wanna be just like you You're always right, we're never wrong I know I play the real fool all along Say What You Gotta Say, MSSV, the album is Human Reaction, available now on all streaming platforms. Big Ego Records, um, October 7th, the Beachland Tavern, be there. If you're not in Ohio, MSSV is doing 58 shows in 58 days, so chances are you can catch them somewhere near you as well. But I highly recommend the Cleveland, Ohio show because it's going to rock extra hard. Um, before we get to the conversation, if you can like, rate, review, subscribe to the podcast and any of the podcast platforms, it helps me talk to cool guests like Steven and share insight with you. And we get into it, man. Steven dives into playing with Tom Waits, dives into how he wrote and composed with Tom Waits, dives into working with Watt, how like similar and different that is, working with Mavis Staples and Ben Harper and Bob Dylan. It's a loaded conversation and it's a really insightful, cool one. Um, one other thing to plug, October 19th, Sea Level is opening for Pacifier at the Grog Shop. And with that, that's everything. We hit it all. Here's my conversation with Steven. Sound bath kind of thing with the gongs and the bowls. And that's kind of a, a cool thing that people find, um, re- you know, healing and refreshing. Yeah. yeah. That's so, okay, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, no, no, that's, that's super interesting. Like, I, I'll put i want to put a pin in that for for later because sure. i got <laughs> i got questions on that but to start mm-hmm. off um how did your grandmother influence your musical journey oh my <laughs> well um one grandmother probably thought that musicians were uh you know akin to being like a hoodlum or something but um, the other grandmother, my mom's mother, um, was was from the era where everybody, all the kids learned to play the pian- piano and take dancing lessons, right? So I guess, in a way, my grandmother, you know, was teaching my, my own mother um, some importance for music in uh, people's lives you know you got to remember this is back before tv and stuff so people used to 
use the piano or the guitar, you know, they would they would entertain themselves, you know, at home themselves. <laughs> Somebody would learn how to play. Um, you know, it wasn't just turn, you know, they had radio, obviously, but TV wasn't even around yet, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, so was it was there both around? Was a guitar and a piano around? No, there wasn't really guitar around our family. Um, that was, um, yeah, no, um, well, no, not really. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And like, so later, later, later. Um, and with, with like dancing, what type of dances were they like? Well, I guess this would be more like, you know, like social dancing, okay. you know, you learn to dance so you can dance with your girlfriend or your wife <laughs> or your boyfriend or whatever. It wasn't quite that liberated back then, but still. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, I mean, even yeah. still at that age, I mean, if I knew some dance moves, <laughs> like it probably would have helped later on. <laughs> you, you know, I mean, learning how to dance the waltz never seemed to help, you know, dance <laughs> the popular dances, um, you know, like, like the kids who could, really get with the latest dances you know but yeah it, I, I still you know it was it was fun you know going to dance class it was fun dancing is fun you know what what the heck you know so um whether it's super popular or not that's that's not the question you know right and i guess i guess just the kind of conceptualized feeling rhythm in a very like um concrete way like to move to it yeah, and and you you know and and you're you're getting to be, you know, close to other human, you know, and um, and that's okay, and there's supervision, or you know, so it's um, kind of a building block of a sort. Yeah. Who was uh, Jane Stanley? Um, Miss Miss Stanley uh, was our piano teacher. Yeah. Okay, all right, so I got it right. <laughs> I don't know where you got that one, man. That I, yeah, I've been excited to talk with you, man. I've been doing some diving, getting ready. <laughs> right on. Okay, yeah. Uh, Miss Stanley was the lady who, um, you know, you you know, it's sort of funny too because you you get carted off to piano lessons and nobody really explained, you know. I mean. You, you you do understand once you grow up in music and you find the kids whose parents really played music. And so those kids, they had an example of what music lessons could do for you. You know, they, they, they lived with people who played music. And my mom loved music and she loved the piano, but she never quite practiced enough to, to, to just be able to do what she wanted to do was just sit down and play songs. So, um, it goes along with my theory of, you know, it's hard to teach kids how to play music in a vacuum. You know, you can send a kid to music lessons, but they don't really know what, what they're even there for almost, you know, it's like, um, you know, if they see people playing in groups that, oh, a piano plays with this and that, and oh, that does that and that, you know, but if nobody tells you, well, if you come to practice drums with me, you know, and you learn these things, you'll be able to do this, this, and this. Oh, okay. 
now I got something to, you know, like work towards, you know, and I think sometimes when they, you know, this may be different these days, but we just got kind of thrown into it. And luckily I, I liked it enough that it was okay to do, you know, but I didn't really see what, what was I, what was my future? You know, what was the possibility here? You know, that wasn't really stated. And that's, that's one thing when I teach people, I try to tell them about, Hey, look, this, this can lead you to this and this and this, you know? And so let's work on this now and then prepare for the, you know, what we're, you know, sort of put the carrot in front of them, you know, like, here, go for this, dude. This is a good thing, right? So, yeah. No, I, I think that's, it's important because it, it, you're right. Like when, when a kid's just, cause the parent knows and the teacher knows like, oh, this, you know, this is good building. You got dedication, you're working yeah. on discipline, all these things. But as a kid, you're in this situation, like, I really don't know what you're telling me. I don't know. I Apparently I'm doing it wrong. Like, <laughs> You know, but like, uh, yeah, there's, there's so many things that, um, it, it, I mean, music encompasses so much and, um, some people, for some people, it's an, a journey where they, they take to it instantly. And so they don't struggle as much, but then some people may take to it, but have to struggle a bit more, but they don't want to let go because they like what they're aiming towards. You know, I might fit somewhere in, in, you know, some of it caught on, but some of it, I had to struggle for it, you know, so you had to kind of keep, keep working and keep working. So it's like, it isn't just like you're working on your music because it's all, it's all your life. You know, it's like your traumas, your abilities, your, your things that, things that didn't go right, your learning disabilities or your emotional state, you know, you're working through a whole lot of things, you know, I mean, and this is like that with anything, I'm sure that you're studying, uh, you know, especially if you're trying to go forward with it, but we're, we're specifically talking about music, you know, people see you play and they think you're just a machine, you know, cranking it out, but that's a human inside that body and they're like, could be freaking out. They could have all sorts of things going on that they're they're trying to take control over in order to just perform this piece for you now, you know? So there's like all different levels, you know? You'll have some kids come in and they sit down and they just start playing. And it's like, holy crap, <laughs> this kid plays like he's been studying for six months, you know? Yeah. And he just sat down. And another one, it's going to take six months. You know, it's like, you know, I come in and it's just one kid. He doesn't even speak. I can't get him to speak to me. I can't get him to hold the sticks in any fashion. Pretty soon. I'm just like, just play. Just, I don't care how you hold the sticks. We'll worry about that later. Uh, you know, cause you're actually making, he's making music. He's making music. Now, am I going to, fucking stop him from making music just because his technique is for shit fuck technique music first you can always get some technique technique is just a trial and error you know 
look at a YouTube, go to a drum lesson, stick stick with it. But if you can play some music, you know, a lot of people get so hung up on the technique they don't want to play. They 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 don't see what music is, you know. So like, you gotta kind of let things kind of mature as they as they will. You know, can't always force because if I start jumping up and down about this, the way you're holding the drumstick, then where, you know, am I beating up on his ability to, to dream about music? I mean, what is this lesson about me forcing some grip on a kid or, or, or music and music is the ultimate thing we're working towards here. So yeah, I, I yeah. No, I think that's yeah. It's it's a it's interesting because not too many like musical instructors have. I mean, there I'm sure there are plenty, um, but it seems like I've heard more horror stories about uh, music instructors that weren't kind of aware of that fact. And right, like, and I think that's incredibly important that now that's uh, at least with the like talking with you like hearing teachers see the importance is the end thing what are you doing you want to say something with music i'm not gonna sl- like you know i mean there's no point to like hey uh hold your elbow out it's gonna make it easier if you're doing it come when you come right. back to me and you're tired and you're like i don't know why i can't play this forever try it like this that's when that technique you know what i mean when you have right. That Once em- there's a problem, right. yeah, then you can say, hey, what about this? You know, it's like, and you don't need to shove it in their face like, yeah, so I was trying to tell you before. It's like, no, just just be cool, you know, because yeah. you, you don't, you, you, you're not trying to win some, the dozens with this, this student, whatever age he or she is, you know, it's like, you're just trying to get, get them comfortable with music you know i'm not trying to have an ego battle here you know so but i know it's like you know and i mean i don't know i i you know as i don't yeah i i really i'm i'm not that in favor of of seeing some drummer and say oh you know he holds his drumsticks exactly the way his drum teacher told them to hold the drumsticks you know there's there's certain there's certain um there's certain musculature things that it makes sense why they say hold the drumsticks like this because the way the human body is shaped and formed so yeah, there is science and there is logic behind it, but um, it isn't always apparent to everybody. And I gotta say, music has to music has to trump because what if this person actually has some disability and they're never gonna have perfect drum technique, but they play music? Now, are you gonna fucking throw them under the bus because? They don't hold their sticks right, but somehow they play music. You know, it's like, it's kind of like you don't throw the Beatles under the bus because they don't read music, just that they happen to write a whole bunch of great songs and play well, you know. So you don't, you know, so there's, um, yeah, yeah, many, many roads lead to Rome, you know. Right, right. (laughs) And it's, I agree 100% with what you're saying. It doesn't matter if if you're like how you're no one's going to be like look at that 
look at that stick technique. They're holding it perfectly. Right. <laughs> They're like, it's the music that allures the, the emotion that you want to um, express. Right. And the, the excitement that come that should be, that's what gets you into, into music. Right. So now to kind of bring it back. So you're going to these piano sure. lessons, right? And like, were you able to, to find a way to make it your own kind of as learning stuff? Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm like a first grader, so I'm pretty young. Um, so I studied for a while, but, um, at a situation where, um, on the weekends I'd end up, you know, working with my dad around the house, you know, cause he was, he was had a lot of, he's an engineer, but he had a lot of skills for building things. So we're always like, you know, working on building a front walk or a new fence or this or that. So at a point, you know, I needed to stop practicing. I guess I was starting to stutter. Um, I just, you know, I needed to, I needed to learn how to hang out with the, the, the boys, you know? And so, um, so they finally, so, so the piano lessons finally dwindled away and, um, and I, you know, and I still ended up working up with my dad on the weekends, but still, um, you know, get my social skills. I mean, if you really want to learn how to be in a band, you need social skills. You know, being good at music was only, you know, because I did music in school. So, you know, we all sat down and we read music and we listened to the director, you know. But once you get out of school, it's all folk music, man. It's all it's, the game is, up, you know, and you have all these people's inadequacies and all these different things, you know, right there at the surface. You know, everybody's, you know, got their different uh, skill levels and all this. And you really need more about, you know, group manipulation and, and you know, communication skills more than music skills once you get out of out of the, the the school situation you know i mean now that i've been in bands you know most of you know been in situations most of my life and I'm, I'm skilled at being with other people and there's not a problem but you know when you were used to things being organized and people listening and go to rehearsal letter a and you know, it's like, you know, when people don't read music and they don't know anything about music per se, they're getting their music from a whole different place. And not that that's a bad thing, but when you came up in school, it, it can be kind of shocking. Like, what the fuck is this? This is like, this is mayhem, you yeah. know, at times, you know, so, um, yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's important because, like, uh, when we think about really charismatic or or songwriters or that bring you in, they mm -hmm. they are very much themselves in their world, and they're asking or looking when you're in the band, looking for you to help get others into that image. If it's like a song, or if it's like a or not image, right? But narrative, right? So mm -hmm. everyone has to be able to buy into this group. But to be able to buy into the group, you got to buy into the guy and the guy's got to be able to know. You know, what I mean, there's a lot of like mini social interactions that are. It's crazy, yeah, right? Yeah. Right, yeah. That are super yeah. important. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Because if the drummer doesn't, if he wants to be in the metal band and they're in the folk duo, he's doing some crazy double. You you you're shooting yeah, the thing like, in the foot. Excuse, excuse me. Do you own any brushes? <laughs> do you need both of those bass drums for this song? <laughs> um. So I guess like okay. So you're working on working through piano and like hanging out with your dad and working on learning these social skills. There was. I read or I can't remember here. I, I didn't catch the name, but there was a surf rock band that was somehow related to your family or a friend of the family that got you into playing drums, right? Oh, yeah. Well, um, I think they might have been called the Bayman. I'm not sure. But um, yeah, Tim Boyer um, was like the youngest son of these people we called um, Uncle Max and um, Aunt Lois, um, which really weren't answer uncles yeah but um but yeah tim tim was a drummer and um you know i i i knew i wanted to play something and it seemed oh yeah it's like got to hear his band practice and they let me play a little bit on the drums like oh, that's just kind of fun you know give this a shot so yeah that that was um that that was probably my most um I don't know what encouraging isn't the word, but inspiring or something that's like kind of tweak my interest in the drums. Yeah. Was Tim. Tim was always the natural too. He was the great surfer and everything. He was just one of these guys to just sort of toss him in a situation and, you know, he'll figure something out. So it was kind of a multifaceted thing that kind of allured me, I guess about that yeah so it kind of goes back to seeing that goal at the beginning of why you're here in a way now that you mention it yeah you can you can you you know you you see more of an outcome yeah 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 okay yeah. okay so you get the you get the bite from tim and then uh and then what's that look like you get your own kit or are you bugging well, tim then, to play his okay no no <laughs> tim lives far he lives far enough away um no um that means that you um, start going to music class once a week in your elementary school. Oh, okay, okay. And then um, you 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 get a paper out and you 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 save up half the money and your parents pay the other half and you you buy your first snare drum and um, you know I mean the the you know they didn't have a whole lot of good inexpensive drum sets these days you can get a decent drum set for a few hundred dollars that it's actually okay drum set you know um so <clears throat> so you didn't really you know in a family like mine you didn't really just go buy the whole drum set or your your parents didn't just buy you anything it came from the depression you you earned part of it so <laughs> So you just get a paper route and then you keep adding to your, uh, so you get yourself a bass drum and you have a snare drum, then you get a cymbal, then you maybe get a tom tom and a hi hat, then you get a you know, floor tom. Pretty soon you've got the whole drum set <laughs> after a couple of years have passed. Yeah. But I imagine like during the process of that and the learning of each piece as you're getting it, you kind of learn. Right. 
how to do everything with what you have and then everything else is just kind of like a extra after you get that. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) it, 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 you know, I've seen it work where my best friend, his dad buys him a whole drum set and he's playing the drums and singing lead, you know, in about two weeks, you know, so everybody's got (laughs) their, everybody's got their own special learning curve. Some, some it's really quick, some it isn't, you know, but um, no, it was okay. It, I was fine with the way, with the way that, you know, we, we put it together, um, you know, as far as not having it all at once. Um, yeah. And I, you know, you do, you do get more used to just add, you know, adding it in at a time. I don't know, you know, it's like um, simple enough. So as like, as you're getting this, like, what did you like, did like playing, cause I know you played in theater, right. And, and like yeah. going back to those dance classes, like you would play in these dance classes. Um, were you playing in bands? Like the jump ahead, were you playing in bands before kind of diving into theater gigs and dance classes gigs or was that- Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so dance classes that all started in, in, say 1970 when i was started college okay um and i had i had been you know uh playing a timpani in the orchestra and um all of that through junior high and excelled that was that was having i was having success with that and still working at the drum set at home and then in high school you know we could go into the the stage band you know we were playing like Duke Ellington or Count Basie kind of jazz. So that was a great, you know, a, a great experience because I had always really loved, loved jazz. So, um, so through high school and all, um, you know, I was, and we would play, we had a band, so we would play gigs at local army bases or Navy bases and stuff, you know, play, you know, popular songs of the day, instrumentals, um, not really having a singer in the band yet. Um, so, um, so, so I was getting, I was getting starting to get my feet wet with with just going and driving to places and setting up and playing gigs and then uh, lo and behold there at the college we get the opportunity to go into the dance uh dance studio one one day um one of the drummers in the drum line had been at a party and the head of the department judith aston had said hey why don't you guys come over and play so basically we all went over to the dance side of the campus and played for the dancers. But over time, really the only one who was still there was me. And, and, and I was actually the only one getting paid um, to do the work as well. So, um, so my ability and my um, getting along with Judith and everything um, there I am, uh, you know, there, there's usually a, a concert for the dancers once or twice a year. So we sometimes needed to compose music for some of the dances. Um, and that's, and that's all part of creative arts. So that means that you're over there in, 
in the in the theater side. Now we're now we're out of the dance room. Now we're in the big theater. So um, so that has, has me rubbing shoulders with the the directors of the drama department. And so then there are certain things where they can use music. So we're composing music for different plays or uh, like Thurber Carnival, but that has a score. So we read the score from, you know, Library of Congress, but just different things uh, theater wise, as well as dance, um, you know, one time different, different, school but we read the library of congress score for uh west side story which was a great experience um and not very easy score either <laughs> music is pretty involved but um yeah the um i with with the dancers i will i mostly played conga drums for a lot of years in that room and that was real melodious and and easy to carry in and out um and that 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 got me really used to listening to the um the sound because the way they would say the counts they were they would the teachers would learn how to say the counts in a way that helped guide the dancers through the moves well they helped guide me as well if you're listening <laughs> that can be helpful right and so um and this turned out to be really helpful once I started, you know, making records with Tom Waits, who also would talk, sing, and kind of dance out parts for you, you know, throw out an elbow where he wants to accent, you know. So you're picking up information from a, a variety of different cues that he's sending, he he's sending out, or the the dance teacher is sending out you know so um yeah that was it's interesting work and um and really and um yeah who knows i mean i've i've done theater work we did we did one that it was way way after college with john c riley up at the uh, actors gang studio which was uh yeah, Exit the King, which which turned out really well and was a really, really, really great experience, um, you know, going through all of that. Um, it's so it's so different, you know, it's so different because. It, nobody says a word. Except the actors, so when you play your music, you just play it into this completely quiet environment. And it, and that's that's really special because I can just just you know practically breathe on one little finger symbol and that actually you know everybody in the room can hear it you know and so we're not in a bar situation or something where the musicians are trying to play over a certain amount of talking right and now you're and assisting all, the talking almost yeah. And so we're 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 aiding and abetting the talking as as it develops or you know you know whatever's whatever's needed, and um, and that's just really special you know to be you know it's like it's like when we used to play with 
the shows with Mavis, I mean, people would be quiet, you know? So it was like, they're really listening. And that that's really nice. Yeah. Well, I can, like, I've always thought, like, drummers, like, have this kind of, like, um, real-time composition of m- maybe not the whole performance that's been rehearsed, but, like, the whole performance as a show. Like, as, with bands or with wherever, like, you the drummer the drummer's kind of setting the tempo for the people to react to when building yeah. it so it's kind of like composing in real time so i imagine all these like uh or it is composing in real time but um i imagine all these different outlets to do that like it sounds like that especially with how you brought up tom waits being able to follow these different cues right like it sounds like all these aided in like being able to like handle any type of like situation yeah. I, I, I think so. Yeah. I think, you know, the more, the more situations, you know, like they, that whole 10,000 hours, you know, nobody says exactly how to use those 10,000 hours, but, but some of it is, is picking up cues from people, you know, or hearing, you know, conversation or, or, or just watching the bodies or any of that. So yeah, it, it all definitely, um, I was always, kind of improv you know potentially improvisational that doesn't it doesn't you know i'm not the one that that bothers that doesn't bother me so um so that combine that with yeah i'll listen i'll 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 listen to my best ability to what's going on here and try to you know we're we're all trying to find salute you know basically we're all trying to find solutions right i mean it's kind of a rudimentary term to use for art, you know, but bottom line is, yeah, these are, we're trying to find answers to these questions. And sometimes the questions are coming up in real time. So hopefully, you know, you, you wore your thinking cap and you're, you're going to be able, you know, and, um, and of course, the more time, the more of you, those 10,000 hours that it does, it gets, it gets easier. You understand, you, you see situations, you hear it coming or you hear it and, you know, you can, you know, I mean, part of being a musician is, is that you, you can fix your mistakes quickly. If something does go a little wrong, you usually can get yourself on track pretty quickly it's almost as much that as your your expertise you know (laughs) is that you 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 fix you fix faux pas quickly and that then that just comes from trial and error you know you just and and that's where we get you know like get you know play in the bars you know a lot a lot of hours spent i mean Back when I first started playing gigs, you could you could set your drums up and leave them there for practically months on end. You know, the gigs you didn't, and you you could be playing five or six nights in the same bar month after month. You know, this this kind of thing is not very common these days. Maybe if you have a residency of playing one night the same or one day a month somewhere things have changed that much you know so um 
And that, you know, and it's unfortunate because that was pretty cool for musicians to be able to work more, you know? Yeah. 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 No, that makes sense. And then like one as a drummer, it's gotta be to leave everything here. I'll get it later. That's awesome. <laughs> I know. I know. It's like less, <laughs> lot, lot less carting crap around for one thing, but yeah. yeah. Um, you know, even up into the eighties with like with, when I worked with James Harmon, you know, we, we would work five or six nights a week in different local bars up and down the coast here. Um, and um, then little by little, I think, I think when club owners, or maybe there just got to be so many bands, I, I don't know, club owners started hearing about where um, you would have like three bands in one night, you know, and I, I just never really liked that because I grew up, setting up and playing all night like if i'm gonna set up i don't want to be rushed in and rushed out and play one lousy set and be done you know but um things just really changed you know clubs and and also like the music changing the music got more and more on the grid and so the girls wanted to dance to music that was more polished and so that's why the music club was two thirds full and the, 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 the crowded bar with a loud DJ had girls in short skirts, you know, lined up down the block waiting to get in, you know, yeah. because, because, because they want to, you know, to dance to what they want to dance to and certain music bands can't keep up with, you know, and, and so, you know, it's not, not gonna, not gonna, not gonna, uh, you know, the, you know, they're, they're going to be two separate worlds. And so, you know, the reggae girls or the, the grateful dead girls, yeah, they'll come in and they'll dance, but, um, that's, that's a, that's a certain segment of the society in general, the girls want to dance to popular music. And, you know, most bands aren't popular music. That's true, too. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. It, well, it's it, it's interesting because that, that kind of like the whole like the persona of what what's what people expect. Like there's a, I think there's a comfort for uh, people that they're like, I want to hear this. And it sounds just like how I know it. There's like a right. maybe an unconscious like comfort. Like this is what, exactly what yeah. I expected. So this feels good. Um, no. Yeah. And then like, but that that's the the beauty of of the live performance and of the bands. Like, you don't know what you're gonna get, and like, maybe maybe that's the, uh, because there is that sense of like, ah, well, you know what, Dizzy Gillespie didn't kill it tonight, which I'm sure no one ever said, but you know what I mean. Like, there's no. like, maybe that's part of that allure. Exactly. Um. And, you know, I mean, look, you just can't feed people a meal they don't like unless they're absolutely starving, you know. So music is like food. And, you know, you just, you know, you cannot get a 18-year-old girl to like what, you know, to even have any frame of reference to what I may like or whatever or right. any, you know, yeah. any, so, so, 
So we just have to kind of put up with that. Um, society has changed, you know, and um, I mean, even me in the dance room. Okay. When I first started, you know, playing the conga drums, you play with your hands mostly people you know people are dancing up a storm and they're having a great time and they're sweating and going crazy and 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 then okay now it's later it's in the 80s it's early 80s punk rock has really hit you know i can i can make my hands bloody practically and the the it, there's just a there's just an attitude of people looking at me like yeah what fuck off you know you know it's like so what yeah you got your little conga drum there what the fuck is that all about you know it's like it's like it didn't matter what you know so the soul the soul power that people understood you know 10 years 15 years prior it doesn't even exist anymore, you know. It, in 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 at least in the in most of the youth, you know, or in, in at least the cross section I'm dealing with here in this dance class, you know. So, you know, people, you know, tastes and awarenesses they change, um, and and it, you know. People, yeah, it doesn't always pay off, you yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's it's definitely an interesting point. Like, especially I mean, being that's what you experienced. You, know I mean, like to like go from one thing to like everyone's loving this to no one's like even uh, uh, amusing it. Like, <laughs> like. Yeah. No, I know. It's it's like uh, it's that who loves you, baby. You know, <laughs> um, and and honestly, really, what what it really meant all all in all was that the day of the accompanist in the dance class at least in this environment was changing into they're just going to play records yeah because then they're going to then they're like in the disco they're in they're they're playing to recorded manicured beautiful music with all sorts of nuance and all of that. And so there you go. You know, it's, um, I'm sure there are places where, where there, there are human accompanists and everybody's okay with it, but that's in a, but that would be in a situation where the teachers and the whole community had created respect and appreciation for the accompaniment, you know, yeah. um, you know, Things were things were happening kind of quickly, and you know this isn't something that some dance teacher can do anything about. Under my where I was, this was this was what's happening with the kids in their clubs, in their dance parties, in the clubs that they're going to, or whatever, you know. And so there's no te there's no teacher that's going to be able to do anything about this right then. It's like that nobody even knew it was happening almost, you know, yeah. the fact that I'm sitting there and dealing with it is like, I'm probably more aware of it than most, you know, but I mean, you know, and we used to with like with Harmon, we used to go open for X or different bands and, um, you know, their crowd would be throwing stuff at us or telling us, 
we sound like their grandmother and all of this. And, you know, we would just, we would just play harder. Mm-hmm. And usually we would win them over by the end of this, of our set anyway. But, um, you know, it's like, um, you know, I mean, who would have thought that Donald Trump would, would win for president, you know? Right. So, so things, just because things are the way they are in your house doesn't mean that's how they are in everybody's house, for sure. So, um, right. I think, well, I think there'll like, be some real surprises in this life. That's for sure. <laughs> for sure. For good and for worse, yeah. you know, hopefully yeah. more for good. But like, like that's, I think what you got like a super like, interesting experience of seeing society change on both aspects like that from being in a band that's opening for like X, especially at that time when you're getting all the punkers who are developing their personality and developing their click and they're kind of like dogmatic. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? But to see how like how expression and emotional conveyance can win overall is really interesting. Like, like kind of trope to see play throughout like I guess yeah. so. As that's going on, um, is that when you're recording more with like Tom Waits and like in getting into recording endeavors and touring projects like that? Yeah, that actually the first recording with Tom I think was like '82 or '83, and um, we had start you know we had started the band with Harmon in the very, very end of, of 1979. Um, and we would, we would open for the blasters or, or different groups that say club 88. Um, and, um, yeah. So, um, Tom had heard us at, um, Club Lingerie, no, 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 wait, wait. Cathay de Grand was downstairs, this horrible little basement. People could still smoke at that time, too. So they're smoking up a storm in this basement. Oh, my God. But um, And then I think Kathleen, he and Kathleen came to uh, Madame Wong's West one time as well. But, um, yeah, very early 80s, um, just a, a call out of the blue, you know, it, Tom had, because I had started using the large bass drum that she really liked, this 32-inch bass drum that I that I started using, and um, just this call out of the blue, you know, I I I knew who he was, and I'd seen him there, I'd seen him a couple of places, you know, but that was it. We hadn't spoken or anything, and um, so. Yeah, he called and we we did we did one rehearsal session and and then and Larry Taylor was there but then everybody else who was there didn't return and then we ended up at Sunset Sound and Victor Feldman was on percussion and um Larry Taylor of course was on a bass and um I forget who else was all there. Oh yeah, Fred Tackett was on guitar. He's great. He yeah. was great. So, like, with the process, what, would they, would Tom just kind of play songs for you guys, and then you guys would go like, or right. is that how it went? 
we were kind of in the, in this really fairly large room and we were kind of all like like one big oblong um cert, you know uh, oval where we're kind of lining the, the the edge of the 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 room and then there's gobos in between us so i may have a drums a set of drums here and then go you know 10 feet to the left there's some more gobo then there's a whole section of marimbas lar large and small marimbas uh, go around the room the other side and then there's a spot for larry taylor on the bass and you know so tom used to carry around this this sony cassette deck it was like one speaker one microphone you could record on it or you could just listen and so he would bring around his cassette and he might play you some uh, some african drum drum part that he had or um some uh you know mambo band or something um says i don't want it exactly like this but he's trying to kind of like get you into some sort of a flavor you know it's like okay we're not doing that beat exactly but we're kind of doing something kind of latin you know so you get you get you into the ballpark with something he's he's you're listening to and then he might you know sing you something that is like you know it's just some sort of a little cadence little cycle or something and um so he just kind of keep you know we would we would he would make adjustments and then he would uh sing it again then he maybe go around the room again talk to everybody after he's been around the room a couple of times it seemed like he's pretty much ready to track the song you know when now that's that's swordfish trombones rain dogs is similar but what i found out with rain dogs was that he was singing all sorts of songs on all sorts of beats and rhythms that we were doing so he wasn't even sure which song was going with which music yet so he would try several songs on any given piece of music that we were developing and um was a little teeny bit confusing i at first i didn't quite understand what was going on now you know it was a little more easy to look back at it um it didn't it didn't it didn't really matter to us anyway which song was going to go that was his personal thing anyway but um you, you know you're you you're mildly flying in the dark because you don't know what where where exactly they're heading with their material which is not a problem either it's just you know you you, you know you don't really know until the record comes out where everything is going to land basically <laughs> that's like well kind of going on the comfort from improv what we were talking about before this is kind of like an ideal 
uh, it's just, uh, time for that skill set to shine a bit. Um, mm-hmm. As like, so being aware of him a little bit because that was before he was doing more like just kind of like uh, the kind of jazz singer. Did you like kind of expect that's where this project was going to go before that first rehearsal? Well, I definitely was wondering, you know, and I was even like, what's he going to sound like? I mean, I was so naive about it. Is he going to sound like Sting or something? (laughs) You know? (laughs) And of course, of course, I had no idea how far away from anybody's anything, you know. I mean, he was basically going to start creating, just like they say, it was very, that music was very David Lynchian, you know, with the reverb and the twangy guitar or what have you, or, you know, very Waitsian. So we, we didn't, I didn't realize we were kind of creating a prototype for him, but, but we were. And um, yeah, it was, um, I'm not even sure if I'm answering your question quite right yet, but it was like, um, he was, he was, he was, he was going to do blues of a sort. It's got a blues, it's got a blues tinge to it. He definitely was not going to have any ride symbol like he had had. So he had had the jazz thing and he had had inklings of all of the other things that he, that we did as well, you know, sort of, sort of Africanish sort of, but he was, gonna go way further into the instrumentation this time and he was so there wasn't gonna be any symbols at all no symbols no none of the jazz thing the jazz thing was done and the um the subdivision that the symbol usually does the eighth note or the 16th or what have you on the say the hi-hat or the cymbal that was going to be taken over by the marimba. And so you've got this really cool kind of plinky resonant thing, but it's also melodic and rhythmic, but it's also not anywhere near sonically in a space where a cymbal would be way up there, where he wants, he wants all this sibilance for his voice. So when he when he says rice crispies, he wants he wants every every last syllable of that to be distinct. So he he really went into a whole other thing of getting the voice that much more present. Um and um honoring it or glorifying or, or you know uh, bringing it out however yeah. you want to put it yeah. yeah yeah that's that's fascinating like uh especially and I, I imagine as a as a drummer you're like this is way more interesting of a a gig than i thought like that's uh, you know what i mean it like was coming so into crazy it. yeah <laughs> it was nuts right life-changing and also um really at first really uncomfortable um because you know you take away the symbols and you you know, you think you're pretty independent, but um, you take away one of the main things that you seem to play beats on all the time. It's like, 
ah, ah, you know. <laughs> so, but, so I, 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 in that sort of in that moment, I had to like say, you know, I am going to have to just learn how to be uncomfortable here because I am uncomfortable and I need to continue working here. <laughs> so, you know, and pretty soon my discomfort just went away anyway, but, and, and then, and then also we learned, you know, Tom and I learned um, that what he was really asking me for sometimes was two or three different drum parts recorded separately because you could, you could hardly put all these instruments or sonics or sounds um, into one place at one time and play them all, you know, in real time and then actually be able to mix that and everything. So, um, so we learned that his ideas were a little more multi-track than we realized. So, so, and then luckily Larry was there and Larry would say, I like it, but it seems like it needs a backbeat in there somewhere. And, and, and then silently I'm, I'm like, just thank God Larry spoke up, you know? And so, you know, cause Larry was like the, the, the most longtime veterano of Tom's uh, music. So he was, he was special in many, many ways. Um, so, so having him there as the voice of reason was, was a, a good, uh, kind of a grounding thing for it, for the whole situation. But yeah, um, <clears throat> we got, we got, you know, I, I like where Tom was at though, because, because he got, it's like a roux, you know, it's like, it's like how you make food that has really unique flavors and, it's like you develop slowly the, fl the 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 profile of the flavors and that's basically what tom was doing was he was creating this flavor and then larry says okay he didn't call it that but let's say larry says okay the flavor's fine but we need we need one spiky tone we need one backbeat in there somewhere you know to to revolve around and so between the two of them, we we got we got a, a cool blending of things, and um, yeah, and I I upon further study, you know, I really actually I really really believe in music without symbols all the time, and one really good example would be the Velvet Underground, where. Um, um, she never plays cymbals ever almost i mean really almost never there's some there's a couple of things but that was like later on in the in the and and that was some specialized but when you think about a, a band that doesn't have going on in some form all the time that creates a real space for other things to happen. And I don't really think you would have had the Velvet Underground be as charming as they were if you'd had a drummer back there playing a regular, a regular 
drum kit with cymbals and all of that. So, you know, she wasn't even always hitting like backbeats on a snare drum, you know. So, so this is really, you know, tom tom, very dark, but kind of keeping the drums really, really primal and out of the way. And there's a lot to be said for this, you know, as far as the sound is concerned. So, um, and then Tom was definitely, you know, he was definitely adhering to that whole thing. And I, I don't know whether he got it from them or just got it from just his own experience of dealing with symbols and decided we're going to cut this out of the whole situation. I don't know, but, um, it was eye-opening for me, and I, I still, I still, you know, use this a lot because a lot of situations, you know, um, if I'm just playing locally, where you know, you know, I don't. It isn't so much for the money, but it's for just to get out and play music. There's different groups of people that I play with you know, blues and what have you, you know, and it's like, you know, the more, the more dynamic and the more interesting your music is, the better the tips are. (laughs) (laughs) And so a lot of times I don't play the cymbal while the singer is singing. And then I bring it on when the soloist plays and take it away when the singer comes back, you know, and and these are simple things, but these are major major compositional additions and subtractions, and people pick up on this. And the fact that things get clearer and quieter, and the voice is that much more present, you know. And then the fact that oh, here comes here comes that symbol again. That oh, that means they're so oh that you know this goes along with that. People start making connections whether they even know it or not, you know. And 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 these these classic accompaniment skills of playing quietly when the singer is is singing these different things. I mean, there's a reason why that works. That's the reason why that is what it is, you know. And, um, you know, not all bands, a lot of bands keep one noise floor level, you know, doesn't matter who's doing what, they're all going to play at this certain level. And, you know, that's fine. And certain music is, it sounds better that way. But in general, and especially in smaller, in, in smaller venues like bars and restaurants and parties and things like this unless it's a full-on raging dance party you need to play to the room and you need to you need to play like you're trying to suck people in and the dynamics if you just if you just bludgeon them with with volume they're just going to start talking louder and almost ignore you more i i think yeah anyway no i think that's that's really wise and well said and Silence being the loudest dynamic, and I think the drummer yeah. is in complete control of. We 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 can absolutely, yeah, we can really be, you know, and whether others are going to follow or not is is you wait you wait and see. <laughs> but in general, in general, you know, once you've 
played with a group once or twice and they get the idea. It's like, oh, this is a good idea. I like it. Okay, we'll do this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's funny because the 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 more the more musical um classic accompaniment tricks that you pull on the people, the, there's a reason why they're responding, you know, uh, you know, as far as their enthusiasm and as far as you know, walking up and putting some money in the tip jar, you know, because, you know, because you're tickling certain fancies of theirs that, you know, they don't always get tickled. <laughs> well, you set that expectation or, 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 and you, you deliver on that, that musical narrative right. and there's a resolve yeah. and there's like, and it, that's, that's like expertise, like accompanied and working as a group. And like, yeah. I get, I imagine. So, like working with Tom and working in groups like this, where you can really try out those things that aren't typically what's working in a bar, you know, it's, that's like, that's a really cool way to learn how some of those skills work in different and yeah. in, in, yeah. in the greater scheme of things. Um, before leaving the subject of Tom, my drummer wanted me to ask you, cause he's a big Tom Waits guy. He was like, right um, do, Tom Waits has a bunch of a uh, percussion that he brings and makes. Did he play that or did he show that to you and you play that? Um, let me see. He, um, he might may, he may be making stuff, but he has stuff that looks homemade for sure. Okay. <laughs> that, um, and, and he does, you know, he is, um, buddies with local artisans and welders and all sorts of things. So, um, but yeah, he, he, he understood, you know, when we first started, we were, we were both interested in, in like the idea of found instruments or, um, or just percussion, you know, unique sounding percussion instruments. And we were, we would try, you know, banging on this. We would, we were messing up our hands trying, you know, things and, I guess the one thing you learn is not all metal is created equal. You know, some metal just sounds not good at all. And in some pieces are just astoundingly beautiful. Um, but yeah, Tom got, but, 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 and so found instruments can be really cool, but there are instruments <laughs> that they've been making for centuries now that are just off the hook, ridiculously cool. And it may seem simple, but one, <laughs> number one is is a cowbell. A good cowbell is like it's otherworldly how powerful of an instrument it, that can be, and and in the right in the right setting, you know. And there's large ones, there's deep sounding, there's high pitched ones, there's all over the map, you know. Um, um, certain symbols that sound like a whip crack, you know, and that, you know, uh, one thing, one instrument that he liked was his, it had this water phone. It looks, it looks like a, 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 a Dumbek turned upside down. So the skinny part is going up and the wide part is, is, is like on the table. 
And then it has these pieces of, of, of you know, like one eighth inch, like, like straw, like long brass straws that have been welded to the bottom of this thing. So they stick up. Um, oh, God, it's hard. Um, anyway, you, <laughs> you fill this thing with water yeah. and then you can play the, the, these, these, these brass straws that are sticking up with a bow or you can hit them with a mallet. And because of the water, you get these, you know, you can, you can, the, the tones can bend because the water moving in, you know, can move inside the instrument. Um, like that, molding. you know, or different pieces. Uh, I'm sorry. Like mold, like that type of like. Yeah, 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 like, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That kind of bending sound. Exactly. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> or. Um, you know, I mean, just certain, certain, uh, certain piece of pipe, you know, he has different things that are kind of like sculptures. Um, and, um, oh, Peter, Eng Peter Engelhook or something, Peter. Yeah. This one guy, Peter Engelhook was f famous for making all these percussion instruments out of metal. You know, they almost look like tribe. Some of them can kind of look like a tribal mask or some oddball things, but you can hit them with different things or, you know, stroke them with a, a, a cello bow or a variety of things. Because um, these these metal pieces, they can they can sound like it. You know, it can it can just be like a, a a metal box, like this Rico Rico from Brazil. It's like sort of like this metal box with some springs on it. But when you put a microphone on it, it sounds like a gigantic warehouse. It sounds like a, a three hundred by three thousand foot, you know, uh, concrete warehouse building. You know. So you get you get these resonances that are just insane out of some of these different percussion instruments or some really striking um, accent tones, you know, like a cowbell that you're not going to get from any other instrument on the planet, you know. So, yeah, I I don't know what what all Tom has, but you know he's not opposed to taking a a, a a maraca and holding it right up next to the microphone, turn the microphone up as loud as possible and shake the fucking maraca. And it sounds, you know, distorted and crazy, you know, but it, it works for the composition, you know, you know, uh, rattling and shaking things. That's, 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 uh, ancient history, um, for ceremonial, uh, because, the um the rattling or the shaking of rattling of bones or scraping of things you know that's like a it it, it ignites um apparently it ignites the spiritual centers in in the in the human body and that's why these these instruments or these sounds are you know so appealing to us these days and that they're ancient. They're ancient like beer is ancient. When the water was bad and they made 
beer because that was how they could make the water not kill everybody, you know. So you wonder why people like beer. Well, beer has been around a fucking long time. That's why. And before they could even, because they, they were polluting all the water because everybody was just peeing in the rivers, you know, they figured out that they could they could make water be not kill you if they turned it into beer. So this is back, you know, this is back in the dark ages practically. So you wonder why people like beer. It's been around for freaking ever. It's 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 in the culture so much longer than anybody has any idea of. And 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 similarly scraping and scratching or maracas or rattle sounds, all of these sounds have been associated with spiritual things so it's no wonder that they still get used in music in certain fashions these days let alone tom putting it all to the microphone and giving you firsthand <laughs> more maraca than you ever wanted in your whole life you know on certain records yeah that's well and, and they kind of unpin what we started talking about with like uh um, sound baths and gongs and stuff like that. I imagine yeah. that is coming from a lot of that same like ancestral like tone centers in our brains that we you know resonate. Yeah, I think it allows people to um, because of the way the vibration it's, it's it the the when it, uh, especially with the gongs and the, the singing bowls they make if the they make the room vibrate. You know, so then the people are kind of vibrating along with this because the air is is being moved in a in a way that only these instruments can do, and um, and it allows people to kind of just be part of that sound, and so that's like a a mindfulness. And 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 they're asked to they're asked to say you know do your best to set an intention for what you're for what you're hoping for as you participate in this sound bath and so coupled along with we're already thinking about positive things and healing things this sound is like tailor made to kind of give you like this experience you usually don't have because who 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 turns on their radio and hears 45 minutes of gong you know you don't you don't ever hear a gong you know, hardly it's almost a joke if you hear a gong you know so um so but in this situation yeah it's a whole other deal and um and the way the gong presents itself as these these bursts and these sort of in, um, events, you know, of of it's rate, you know, you get the gong moving and you can feel, you can hear it, but you pressure it a little bit more and it starts speaking a little bit more, you know, and it sort of sends out, you know, these sort of waves of, you know, stratospheres of of sounds and what have you, and so, um, yeah, it's really are tailor-made um to be helpful if you under if you know if if you use it in that way yeah 
Yeah, it's gotten more popular. You know, these things are these things are more people are more aware. Oh, sound baths. Yeah, blah blah blah. You know, I did that. You know, oh really? Okay. You know, you expect to hear, huh? What are you talking about? But, you know, but you know, I mean, look, I mean, back when I was first studying yoga, nobody hardly heard of it. You know, or 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 Pilates. You know, now Pilates is in. You know. In the in in you know even gangsters own Pilates studios. They don't even have to give a shit about anybody. People know that they could make some money if they own. You know, it's gotten that popular, right? So 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 and 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 our sound bath, that whole idea. You know, cats out of the bag. You know, people are looking for things. You know, times are tough enough that you know solutions. People need. People need solutions for things. So, um, you know, something as simple as a sound bath can be, could be really important for certain people. Yeah. Well, no, definitely. And it's like the gong itself is a really interesting instrument with how many overtones and like, uh, we had a buddy of mine recorded a, a gong, a gong record at this art gallery I work at. And like, Uh, I'll send it to you. It's a really, it's really a fascinating record because he, he like, oh yeah, he, uh, he organized it as like it's the whole like birth of the universe. So it's like one the big like it's and it's like one long track. It's really fascinating. But like, what was blowing my mind about the process of it was about the uh, the overtones and like how they had this thing mic'd up to try to capture what they were hearing in the room. And that's an instrument you don't really think. Uh, you know, it, it, you don't really think there's more than just dun, you know, but there's there's a lot going on. Um, yeah, it's crazy. It's like symbols. They're they seem like they're one thing, but they're about they're like a few thousand things yeah. all kind of going on at once in a way. Yeah. Um, I wanted to add before, like, man, I really appreciate your time. This has been a fascinating conversation, and I got. I got a lot more questions about a lot of other projects to work on, but right. Well, I wanted to ask you a little bit about working with Watt in the MSSV record. Um, sure. So, like, you worked with Watt on his first rock opera. Like, how, how did like going from like working with Mavis and like where did where did you meet Mike Watt and how did that uh how did you get involved with the first um, rock opera? I know it is. Um... Uh, yeah, I'm not exactly sure how I met Mike. I almost, I almost think that he just kind of called me out of the blue, um, because he knew that I had worked with Tom and that I had worked in theater and, um, and he knew that his, his, his music was, was heading in that direction, uh, and um so it was you know it was it, it was kind of him taking a chance because you know those punk rockers can be pretty territorial you know they they get pretty pretty uh adamant about you know who's 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 okay and who's not okay you know and um you know i didn't this i didn't necessarily find um, immediate acceptance. Um, I mean, with Mike and with Nels, I did, but, um, you know, out in public on the road with Watt, 
you know, some of it was good and some of it was like, you know, I still hadn't been around their punk rock world long enough to be, you know, accepted in their eyes, which I'm not that big on the whole territorial, you know, like Stones versus the Beatles or Stooges versus whatever, you know, I, I just would prefer to like all of them and not have to have to fight it out. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but no, my, but Mike, Mike, Mike called and we talked about, you know, about some, some of the similar stuff that you and I have spoken of today. And then, um, you know, I'd had friends who said, I think you and Mike Watt ought to work together, you know? So here, here goes, you know, here, here comes that. And, um, so, um, I don't know, you know, we just, we, um, I, I knew of Nels Klein's brother, um, Alex, because he and I were both uh, accompanying dancers, but he was, he was up in L.A., and I was down here in Long Beach. Um, so dance teachers had told me about Alex Klein since the 70s, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and so here I'd come around in, in, in 1997, or 96, whenever we made the record, I still really didn't know that they were twins. You know, Alex and, and Nels were brothers. But anyway, um, Nels is a great guy and um, fantastic musician, of course. Um, and um, I don't know, we just got in and just started, you know, we just started rehearsing um, and Mike would have us, you know, play like certain sections over and over and over. And here again, I don't know where we're heading with all of this, you know, but lo and behold, then he finally starts trimming it down to where it becomes, you know, in composition form. And I say, oh, okay, so this thing that we did for two hours yesterday, we're going to do 12 bars of it <laughs> in this song today, you know, and that was what that was for, you know, to get that together. Okay. So, um, so his approach was a little more, was it, was it similar to Tom's? Like, here's this idea I have, like, uh, or was he showing you like a full song and like trying no, to. No, he wasn't showing anything at mm. first. Um, he wasn't the dancer like Tom was, but, um, but we did get to run over, you know, um, I guess basically he, he he just had us keep working over what he he felt like the main body of the song was gonna be. And so once we got that basic feeling together, then he's then he starts bringing in, okay, but then we're gonna break here and we're gonna put this accent here and da-da-da, you know. So then we really start like filling in the composition. It's like, okay, now, now we're building a song. First off, we're building, we're building a groove. We're building the essence, but we don't have any, we don't have any eyes. We don't have a mouth. We don't have a nose. We just have a body so far. So then we start building the rest of the body. And, um, and that's, that's kind of how each song, 
each song grew, you know, and and um, that that first opera is, is really interesting because it has a blend of things that really have always been important and still are important um, in uh, Watts' life, which is um, Navy, the Navy, um, the idea that his dad was in the Navy. He was a chief, which is the is the uh, highest non-commissioned officer. So when you're when you're when you live in the housing with all of the other kids, the Navy housing, and all the other kids are the sons or daughters of Navy chiefs. What you're living with is you're living with the blue collar segment of the Navy. You're not living with the officers that don't get their uniforms dirty. You're living with the guys who run the run the freaking Navy. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So um, so you're getting you're with you're with some pretty earthy people. You're, there's 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 real down to earthness going on here. So so this is where we're this is where Mike Watt comes from. This is where the the Minutemen come from. They were all the sons of Navy chiefs. So they're all blue collar high they're they're all the highest of the blue collar of the Navy. Yeah. Yeah. Well and, I, um, I think that speaks a lot about who he is now and like Definitely. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, definitely that that record is a very emotional journey. I think just listening to it. I mean not that Watts other stuff isn't, but definitely that is like oh, the most Oh, no, it's a big deal. It's yeah. a very big deal. <clears throat> I mean and um so it's definitely a really really deep thing because not only his dad, but there's D Boone who is such a buddy to him. Yeah. And such a meaningful guy in that whole, I mean, look, look, <clears throat> for people who are, were of the age that, you know, like however old you are, when you get hit by your first music, what is it? 13, 12, 15, I, you know, yeah. young, young people, I basically, I guess. Right. Um, for me, it was like Motown and Jimi Hendrix or something. But for certain people, and the Beatles, but for certain people, Mike Watt might as well be Mick Jagger or Paul McCartney, you know, Roger Daltrey, because that's how popular for that era of kid that gets inundated in music when when he gets first bitten, the ones that were bitten by the Minutemen, which there were plenty, Watt might as well fucking be Paul McCartney, because he's people love him that much, and it goes so deep for them, and I see it all the time, and. Um, I don't know. That's all That's, I got to say. No, I really, think, but I mean, it's a big, it's a big thing for yeah, sure. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. and I definitely. I mean, I wasn't of the time, but me and my bass player, since we started playing, we're we got that minimum bite too. You know, what I mean, like, <laughs> what's well, a sure. big, big figure for us musically and like, but um, yeah. 
And but uh, you know that's that shows that the importance of that moment when you're you're struck by someone who's doing their thing and shows that not only are they doing it with like expertise and like uh, conviction, but you can do it too. You know that's a whole nother level of you. You, you see yourself there, and you go, okay, I want to give that. That seems like a good thing. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's why that's this record so like. I, it's you've like you're like on so many like big moment records for so many artists and like that's fascinating to like be a, be a part of that but um what okay before i lose my just get excited um how does like so this initial like kind of working with watt uh on this first rock opera how do you do you see that same kind of process with mssv um well um, well, I guess our methods are, you know, uh, I mean, I guess learning a song or learning music is just pretty much a similar method of a sort. Um, what went about it, um, in bits and pieces and then put the songs together for us with, with Baguetta, he pretty much writes the music and then, and then unleashes it on us in a demo form to where we can, um, I actually, I get him to, I, I make him chart out my parts, um, because, um, sometimes his playing, isn't as accurate and then i'm sitting there for hours you know charting this stuff out and then it's not quite accurate anyway so i was like in our method of learning finally i said okay look you send me the chart you know how to write <laughs> i don't want to i don't want to be the one writing it all out and still not having it quite right anyway um because your demo is a little off here or there, whatever. So, um, but no, we have, um, I will say that it's, it's, it's similar in a sense that in a lot of the music I have played, um, things don't flop around, flip around as quickly. You don't go from one section to another section and then back to that other section as quickly there aren't as many sections there's usually <laughs> longer periods of you stay in one certain beat and one certain vibe right um so learning how to get into this more sort of like compartmentalized you know you have your verse your chorus your bridge you know and you're moving back and forth from parts pretty quickly with some of this music it's not exactly something I can't do, but it's not my first forte. So that, so that I do struggle with, a, you know, I'm the one who has to work a little bit harder because I don't really come from music like that. You know, that, that was music that kind of came around after my initial indoctrination to music. Um, it, it keeps, but it really keep me on my toes. You know, I'm not complaining. It's just, 
you know, have to really be on your toes with this shit, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, I, that that makes, like, listening through and watching you guys, I saw you guys last time at the Beachland. Um, okay. And seeing that happen, like, I can see where that's, like, where 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 the challenge is within that and like yeah um i guess so the kind of like embark on that like so like when you're backing up someone like Mavis Staples and cuz you played with her for like 13 14 yeah. years right 13 years i think it was yeah and like i imagine that that involves that same type of listening but like how you're saying, it's not as big as a transition from one huge thing to the next, more of that, like bringing up the dynamics, right. Or down right. the dynamics. Her, 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 her stuff isn't as quirky, you know, it does, it does have the verses and the choruses, but you know, with this, with this Watt stuff or with Baguetta, you know, yeah, you've got tempos and you've got these, you know, kooky beats and stuff sometimes, but um, yeah, Mavis, um, you know, she's classic, basic Americana gospel R&B, um, you know, format as far as her verses and choruses go. So she's somewhere in between. <laughs> but her music is pretty simple, really. So, like, uh, okay, the question I had with uh, with working with her is uh were you involved when uh Ben Harper and her were writing tunes? Yeah, we we made that record with Ben. Okay. So I've been a a, a huge fan of his playing and songwriting. Um I, just like kind of like on that end of things. What what's that look like? Are they coming to you with these songs already written or are they working with you to write these songs? Maybe right. some Ben. Ben Ben was Ben Ben was the the uh, composer of all of that material, and so he he yeah he was um, he was amazing too. I mean he's he's mind blowing, you know. I mean he 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 moved my head around big time. I mean uh, yeah, I mean even on like. Like this one one song that we did with her, um, you know, it's just one of those things where there's a four count break and and he he sings something like a pickup to to bring it back in, and I swear to God, man, what he's saying it like it's one of those things it it kind of. It just, it's kind of changed my life. It just hit me so strong, you know, like there was, it's like soul power. It's like something, you know, it's like electricity and like some, you know, completely unexpected. Not that I don't expect him to be great or whatever, of course, but I mean, just like the way he said, made this sound. I don't even know if it was a word even, you know? And I'm just like, I'm just like have like these, these freaking electronic explosions going on inside my body, you know? <laughs> Who the fuck would know, right? Yeah, exactly, right? And um, so, yeah, I, you know, so we got, and we got to play, you know, he would, 
when we'd be on TV, he would usually show up and sing with us. You know, I remember Jimmy Kimmel and I forget who else. But yeah, he would he would make it in and and do a duet with her. Yeah. So he he was um yeah liked him a lot. One more person I wanted to ask about working with was you you uh you did a tour with Dylan, right? Yeah, we did that a couple of times with with Mavis and Dylan. Yeah. Okay, I think I saw you guys then because I saw okay. Mavis open for Dylan. Um, but like so working so it was with you were with mavis and you guys were touring okay okay so you weren't backing dylan no okay okay. um one night george roselli was really sick he's his drummer and he asked me if i would play that night if he if 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 things got bad yeah and I, I, you know, and part of me was jumping up and down and part of me was like, oh, fuck no, you know, because <laughs> his book is, is, it's not as that it's, it's so hard, but he's just kind of all over the map with, you know, he doesn't do any songs in the, in the similar way or anything anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, I, I told George yes that I would, and then luckily I didn't have yeah. to anyway. Um, but George was interesting though. He and he he said, "Okay." He goes, "I go, George. You know, I could probably do this, but that book is not. You know, you know that book is not so straightforward." He goes, "I know, I know." He goes, "Look." What you do is when they start the song, you just play the bass drum and you get your bass drum going, you know, and then build from there. And and it was so funny because this is a method that I had taught myself because when I would go in and do a session, um, especially with this one uh, artist, if I started accompanying them with you know with the with the with the top part of the drum set it always ended up it seemed like i was a little bit ahead of them for some reason so i would start just getting the bass drum and it might have been the way the sound was being recorded in the room a little bit um weird acoustics but still i think i was just somehow reading things differently but when you re when you put that earth sound in first, that bass drum first, because really everything does build off of the bass drum, because the bass drum is the closest thing to the quarter note that you're probably gonna get in a drum part, which is you know the note that you count when you count the band off. So so that that was like total like God, you know you know, kind of like one of those epiphany moments, you know, it's like you figured this out. Now this professional is telling you if you're going to sit in and play drums for Bob Dylan to do what you told yourself already, play the bass drum first. Don't try to play everything before you get the bass drum happening. Yeah. That's and a, so 
I know, crazy, oh, wow. huh? Yeah. I know. That's so cool. Well, it's also like it kind of goes to show you like that thing you you learn from the beginning, and you really you know it, it, the, the beginner's mind always kind of comes back in a way. That's so cool. The basics are yeah. always if you don't if you know if you don't really have your basics in there as professional, you're not going to sound you know worthwhile. So you know a a, a little a little brief you know, moment of silence and respect for the basics is always prudent. You know, we always, we can all benefit. I mean, to this day, I, I just counsel myself, listen to the bass drum, you know, is this lining up with it? Cause, cause with my students, I found, I found one of the hardest things for people to do sometimes is to line that shit up with the bass drum. And if there's anything that's important is to line it up with the bass drum before anything else. If you can play your bass drums on a nice steady quarter note and then play your eighth note, your one and two and your 16th, you know, if you're getting that stuff all lined up, then you have a chance because which drummers do we like best? We like the drummers who have a good, strong bass drum sound and all of their other sounds are in in accordance to that bass drum they're in alliance they're in rhythm they're in harmony with the feeling of that bass drum whether it's ringo or john bonham or you know clyde stubberfield with uh you know james brown or any of you know it's all about really it's all about is that bass drum really hitting the earth you know you rarely hear any popular bands that all of this shit doesn't line up and that bass drum doesn't hit right where it's supposed to hit right i mean we're talking people's nervous systems here very seldom is somebody popular for ultimate quirky fighting against nature right yeah yeah yeah, when that bass drum and the snare fall in line like that, people's nervous systems all, they stand on end. They like stand at attention. They're like, this shit is happening. That fucking, when the levee breaks, Led Zeppelin, you know, you know, or whatever, you know, super bad by James, you know, pow, pow. When that shit is popping like that, everybody gets electric. Nobody can even not do it. You know what I'm saying? It's in the air and it's there. And so that's what all of us musicians should, you know, are, are should be striving for or are striving for, you know. And it's something, you know, it's not, it's like you just it's just something you gotta keep telling yourself reminding yourself at least in my case i do i i feel like you know um you know a lot of stuff comes you know more um from muscle memory and what have you because because we've been at it we've been at it long enough but like i said i still i still really think it's important to um 
check in on your check in on your basics every once in a while. Even if it even if you've been at it, you know, you know, I was I was born in 52, you know, so I'm I'll be 72 this year. So obviously I've I've spent some time playing music, you know. It's just like by sheer calendar, you know. So um but it's it with some of the same problems, you know, you know, it's like that's that's it's like we're not machines. Some of the same things that I struggled with from the very beginning, I still struggle with now, maybe just a little less. But you know what I'm saying? It's like you don't you can't really separate the life and the emotional in, uh, intelligence and, you know, mathematical intelligence or all these different things um that you know it, it it all has something to do with what we are musically you know uh, you know obvious for me like you know going going to play in a bar is is like a is like meditation you know it's like it's like uh it's almost like i'm going some it's like I'm going somewhere to have a meal, you know. It's like a food of a sort. It isn't. It isn't because the money is good. Because the money isn't really good, but being with the people and being able to go through this with them for like four hours and all of that—that that is a really big deal. That's like that's real food of a sort, you know. So. Um, that you know that's partly why we do this yeah. you know and you know some of it sometimes we make we make you know we make money sometimes we don't make money <laughs> <laughs> well, and it seems like the the stuff that well that challenges us and makes us want to keep doing it it's usually stuff that isn't making us money but um it I can be yeah. it can be yeah. and i think yeah, what you said sure. is very well said and that's very like it's so interesting. We start. We kind of started on that topic of what's going on inside of a student, and then like through the process of even all this, there's still that student, and that's that endless kind of like meditation practice that you right. slowly get better at. And like, I, th- I th- that's I think that's just beautifully said in a beautiful way to 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 cap this conversation. Okay. And, Steven, I really appreciate your time with this, man. This is I'm I'm leaving super inspired. I've been looking forward to chatting with you for a bit. Um and so I, I'm leaving super inspired. So thank you so much, man. Well, I really appreciate you for doing this and um send me all your information. Keep riding the bebop. See you, Space Cowboy. Bye.